0: The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to UUSF.org. Since we haven't all had the chance to be formally introduced, Let me first just say how excited I am to learn and serve with you this coming year. We're gonna have to get a little bit creative about how we get to know one another. So I hope you'll feel welcome to reach out and get in touch. And I'm glad to have this opportunity to share a little bit about why I'm here in the larger sense. As you may know, I had the great fortune of being raised Unitarian Universalist in a large congregation in Columbus, Ohio. And I've been asked more than once throughout seminary to reflect on what Unitarian Universalism meant for me growing up. Often I talk about the feeling of standing beside my parents and my sister in the sanctuary week after week, singing, gathered here or spirit of life. But the moment where something really clicked for me about what church was, was when I was about eight years old and the congregation was in the process of calling a new associate minister. The candidate, Reverend Wendy Fish, had visited our religious education classrooms during her candidating week and demonstrated herself clearly to us as someone committed to the congregation's young people, even more so as warm and fun and approachable. So I remember that Sunday afternoon, when the congregation gathered for the vote to call Wendy as our new minister. I was in a classroom in the religious education wing with half a dozen other young people, ages maybe six to 13. And we'd set about plans to construct an elaborate blanket fort in one corner of the room. When someone wondered out loud what our parents and the rest of the congregation were up to, what were they meeting about that afternoon? When we realized together that such a significant event was occurring in that very moment on the other side of the building, plans began to form. With a flurry of construction paper and scissors and crayons, we crafted our own set of ballots scrawling on them with some dramatic performance of privacy and formality, six enthusiastic yeses. And then together we marched out of our classroom across the building and to the doors of the sanctuary, where after a collective breath in, we flung open the doors and stepped tentatively into the room In my memory of it, the room fell silent as we did and the gathered adults, some 400 of them, wheeled around in their chairs and watched, mouths agape as we processed down the aisle of the sanctuary in a single file line. Oldest children leading the way, youngest trailing behind them like ducklings, construction paper ballots clasped in each of our hands. And when we reached the front of the room, we defiantly presented our our ballots one at a time to the moderator who was presiding over the meeting. And then having done what we'd come to do, we turned on our heels, strode back down the aisle, back to our classroom and resumed construction of our blanket fort without much conversation. Reflecting on it years later with a dear friend who I grew up alongside in that congregation who was also there that Sunday. We were both slightly incredulous, almost appalled at that memory. Perhaps it is one of those stories where the fish you caught that summer grows a little bit bigger with each retelling. But the essence of what happened, confirmed since by our families remains just as amazing to me. Especially given how shy we were at that age, it's hard to imagine bursting into a room of several hundred adults in the midst of a meeting under any other circumstances. And yet, even then, even before we could describe what it meant to be a Unitarian Universalist or to be part of a religious community, I know we felt part of that congregation, part enough that something more was demanded of us than just passive participation, part enough that we were pulled a bit out of ourselves. In some ways, my experience of that congregation as a young person is the purest experience of community that I've ever had. The experience stands in sharp contrast to the very earnest attempts at community building that I've been participant of since, whether they yielded disappointment or connections that hold strong still. I think this is because as a young Unitarian Universalist, I did absolutely nothing deliberate to make that community happen. And still I received it, gratefully. Perhaps community cannot be built through brute strength. Parker Palmer, a Quaker elder, author, and teacher, critiques the very notion of community building. For community, he argues, is not some goal we can achieve through our striving. It is a gift. A gift that much of the time is already with us. But so often it doesn't feel that way, right? Especially these days when we can't gather together as we did. When we cannot gather in one strong body as in our opening hymn. When we cannot rest in the bounty of shared experience like the one Dennis described. When even the experience of feeling the holy in the presence of two or three others as our soloists beautifully sang in Spanish a few minutes ago. Even that is complicated these days. Still, I'm not one to say that this time is so wholly different from any other, even if it is unprecedented. We know that so many of the problems we face now are exacerbated expressions of preexisting conditions. A lack of paid sick leave, for example, on a national level at least, has already been hugely consequential for many a lack of affordable health care, a failure to honor all workers as essential, a failure to fully honor black life, while maybe set in sharper relief, exacerbated by the layering of crises we're experiencing. These challenges aren't exactly new. Isolation and loneliness, though themselves reaching epidemic proportions, were with us before too. Faced with this reality, Palmer's framing of community could seem naive, out of touch with the realities of disconnection, the real challenge of community in this era. How does this sit with the idea that community is a gift already here, just waiting for us to receive it? But Parker rebuts. This gift is not necessarily readily accessible or even apparent. Receiving the gift is a capacity that requires ongoing cultivation. I would add a capacity that we must cultivate together. Strangely enough, I first learned this lesson not in a religious community, but in the rough and tumble world of organized labor in New York City. I now describe my work in labor organizing as a process of accompaniment, journeying alongside workers as they navigated the many barriers that can impede or frustrate the process of organizing a union. And contrary to what I believed when I began, the most significant of these barriers is not anti-union propaganda or lack of clarity about the process, complicated as it is, the primary barrier is fear. Whether that fear is of retaliation, losing a job, a livelihood, or the ability to support one's loved ones, or sometimes the more amorphous fears, of losing social connection, or a sense of security, or routine. The common assumption embedded in so many of us is that it is safer smarter to go it alone. Moving past the barrier of fear then requires a different story. The first step was uncovering the connections that were already present. Organizers are trained to make web-like diagrams charting the relationships between people in a given workplace. I was surprised every time by the extent of the connections even when they weren't apparent on the surface. The dishwasher's cousin had been roommates with the front desk agent's boyfriend. The bellman had gone to elementary school with the general manager. Those two cooks went to the same dentist. But even if there were no existing connections to be found, the task was the same. Akin to what Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed describes as uncovering the bonds that bind each to all digging up the dominant logic that we are discrete units who interact only occasionally with other discrete units, overturning the idea that our security rests in ourselves alone, reorienting toward a vision of interdependence, connection, and collective security, reminding ourselves and each other that together we are a force more powerful than the sum of our parts. The process was slow going, tedious even. Usually though, there was an inflection point, a moment where the logic of self-sufficiency crumbled, often for many people at once. More often than not, it followed on the heels of some kind of disruption, heartbreak, or loss. And so it is for each of us, as Palmer writes, when I flourish, it is easy to maintain the illusion of separateness, easy to imagine that I alone am responsible for my good fortune. But when I fall, when times get tough, I see the secret that is hidden in plain sight. I need other people for comfort, encouragement, and support, and for criticism, challenge, and collaboration. The self-sufficiency that I feel in success is a mirage. I need community, and if I open my heart, I have it. For me, after ambling through my early 20s far away from religious community, taking for granted, frankly, the gifts that Unitarian Universalism had given me as a young person, it was heartbreak that brought me back to the community that was already there. When my family suffered the unimaginable loss of my younger sister, then 21 years old, our community showed up in ways I hadn't even imagined I could expect. In the intensity of the moment and in the long aftermath, I could feel with marked clarity that religious community can be more than the sum of our parts. There was something different about the deft way that our congregation was able to be there, to be present in the moment when our hearts cracked open. Perhaps by virtue of our shared commitments, there was a pre-existing closeness even among strangers. Perhaps we were already a little closer to the core of human experience together. Perhaps we had some structure to begin to make meaning of the impossible. I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure it matters. I share this because I know that such experiences of loss inevitably make their way into each of our lives. And when we share in them, when we open our hearts rather than closing them off, is when we tap into the possibility of what we can be for one another and what we can be together. Just receiving the gift, just opening to our interrelatedness is itself a courageous countercultural act. We don't have to do anything more, but inevitably, from this place, we do. We are collectively in one such moment now with the layers of disruption, the accumulated losses, and now with so many of us reeling from the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Friday with deep grief, fear, and even hopelessness about the future. May we honor these feelings in ourselves and each other, for they are expressions of our love for the world, of our deep knowing of how deeply our futures are bound up together. And from this place, may we clarify our commitment, anchor in our interdependence and steady our hands as we rise together, as I know that we can. Whether it is children and youth parading into a congregational meeting or a group of workers demanding dignity in their workplace, I am buoyed by what I know is possible when we let ourselves be more than the sum of our parts, when we, we will need to act from this place in the coming weeks and months. And I hope that this community can help sustain us through and be a place where we practice being what we need to be for each other as we live into the world we must create. I know that we don't know each other all that well yet. I don't know the stories, the connections, the triumphs and the failures that make up this community, though I'm eager to learn them. But even in the air of this mostly empty building, even in the Zoom meetings that now knit together the life of this community, I can feel the intangible connective tissue between and among you, rooted in history and shared commitment, in memory and in music in the constellation of re- constellations of relationships that weave this community together. So for all of the ways that community already has deep roots in this place, for its continuous unfurling here and now, under new challenges and with new opportunities, and for all the ways that it may be further realized in the months and years to come, May we keep uncovering the connections between us and may we find the courage to further open our hearts to them for our world and for each other. May it be so.